Let's uh, look at Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I'll do my best impersonation of Matt Parker. <laughs> well, you know, I've been in a few pulpits in my day. You can always tell how tall the pastor is by the, the size of the pulpit they ask you to preach from. This one is definitely taller than I am, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen here then. Well, thank you for uh, being here. I always tell uh, people when I'm going to speak, is it works better if you don't announce it ahead of time. But uh, thank you for being here anyway. It's good for you to, uh, to, to exercise a little patience in your life. And we'll, we'll try to make it worth your while today for the, uh, the time that we're going to spend together. Yeah, what we're going to continue what Matt has been working with in terms of this uh, core value that uh, we are going to be calling, again, evident faith. Evident faith. And Matt has wisely decided to illustrate this from the Old Testament. Uh, and the, the core value itself goes like this in our paperwork here at Gospel Hope. It says, at Gospel Hope Church, we understand that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are willing to be risk-taking, sacrificial, and in the eyes of the world, apparently illogical people, because we know that the just shall live by faith. We know uh, that we want to obey God regardless of the cost, and even if we don't know the details. Uh, we refuse to dig our roots into that which is passing away. And we will prayerfully invest our families, our finances, and our futures in the work of God because we trust the promises of God. Exactly. That's what we just heard about in the message a few minutes ago, right? It's exactly what we're going to hear again during the Sunday school class. Here in Romans, looking back on the life of Abraham, it says that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Uh, in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. It's a lot easier to read those words than it is to practice them. Can you recall some of the things that God asked Abraham to believe? And yet we look back on it and say, well, he should never have laughed. Sarah should never have laughed at that. They should never roll their eyes at anything. Oh, that they were asked to believe impossible things. Matt's gone through that with you, some, some of that already. So today, in looking at Abraham's evident faith, we're going to see how he passed the test and how we can also pass, maybe not, I hope we're not asked to do that kind of a test, but to, to be passing the test of evident faith no matter what the cost. That was also part of the 
of the, the statement from our Gospel Hope core value section. That, that we will trust the Lord and we will move out in the direction of trusting him regardless of the cost involved. So, when we go to the doctor, when we take the kids to the doctor, let's say for an annual checkup. And by the way, I have about 15 close friends anymore. 12 of them are now doctors. <laughs> Seems like that's the way it goes. But when we go to the doctor for those uh, annual checkups, he or she may begin by poking and prodding in various places, all the while asking, does this hurt? How about this? Oh, yeah, you got one there, doc. You know? uh, and if we cry out in pain, then maybe one of two things just happened. Uh, either the doctor is pushed too hard or there's something wrong. Uh, today's passage constitutes, in effect, as it does every time we open the Word of God, uh, an examination of our faith of who we are, how things are going. So I'll try not to uh, poke too hard. I just want to, uh, to look at the passage together with you. And my prayer is that the Lord might enable us to, to have and to display genuine faith more effectively uh, as a result of our time together here today, no, no matter what the cost. So here we are in Genesis chapter 22. Let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we are weak people and it might seem logical that as weak people we would readily reach out to you and, and cry to you and trust you to help us where obviously we're not doing so well and too often trying to resort to our own resources. But Father, we don't even trust you as we ought. Lord, I pray that looking again at the life of Abraham might encourage us to trust you for the things in our lives, so many of which seem small in comparison to the things with which he entrusted you. Lord, I pray that this would be a time where you would be glorified and you would be seen as certainly the sufficient God that you are, worthy of our trust and our service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the, this test that, that Abraham is, is going to be undergoing here in Genesis chapter 22 can be seen from a lot of different perspectives. On, on the one hand, I think we can look at this as a test of his availability. What well, was he personally available to God? Uh, not only on that day, but in other days, that would have been a test for him. But it says, uh, it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham. This is a test. This is a test. And he, he said to him, Abraham! And Abraham replies, here I am. Abraham's response when God spoke to him is pretty clear. He says, okay, you're calling, I'm here, I'm here, present, here I am. This is pretty identical to examples that we find 
of Samuel and Isaiah and Paul when, when the Lord spoke to them. Almost identical words. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. So, so what is our response when, when God says, um, well, well, Gideon, I have something I want to say to you. Gideon said, oh, no, what have I done now? You know? Are we willing to say, okay, here I am. Whatever. Here I am. I'm, I'm available to listen to you and to follow through on whatever it is that, that you would have for me to, to hear or to do. And so that this test, not only in the idea of his being a, a available personally, but would he give what was the most precious in his possession? Then he said, take now your son, you know this passage probably, your only son Isaac, whom you love, key word here, you, you love him, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Oh my God. You read this and you still say, I can't believe I'm reading what I'm reading here. Can you imagine how Abraham responded? Isaac was that long-awaited son of promise. His birth was absolutely miraculous, having come after the normal years, years of childbearing. Isaac was going to be the fulfillment of God's unconditional covenant, covenant to, to, to raise up a great posterity. And now Abraham was to give him to God as a sacrifice. Doesn't compute, right? Doesn't compute. The writers of uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary put it this way, in, as part of this test, how far would Abraham go in obedience? And that's always the question. We tend to, to have limits as to the things we will do for God and other things we would not even consider. To give God that which is most dear and most essential to us. Well, that's a profound test. But then we need to ask this question. Who really owns what we hold dear? Who is the owner? Uh, we, we know the answer to that. There are many passages that indicate, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? Receive from God himself. Was he really prepared to obey? I mean, we know the story, so you know the answer. But at that point, if you were following through, you're reading this for the first time. It's always exciting. You were saying you're reading through the Old Testament here for the first time. Mentioned in our community group. That's exciting stuff to be exposed for the very first time to some of these stories that are true. And you learn and you say, oh, wow, look at that. Ooh, that's interesting. And how could he do that? Are you kidding me? That's in the Bible? Well, this is in the Bible. We go on to see what the Bible says about this event. So Abraham arose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and, 
and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Do you think he was prepared to obey? Does this sound like he is making preparations to do the very thing God is asking him to do? His obedience was immediate. He even got up early in the morning to get started. It was going to be a 50-mile trip. Everything needed for the sacrifice was carefully prepared. You know that it is earlier said of Abraham, quoted in the New Testament more than one place, that he believed in the Lord and that was counted unto him for righteousness. I, I should say, he believed in the Lord. He believed. His trust was so total in God that he was prepared to do God's will, whatever the cost. Even, even unthinkable cost. Are we prepared to follow that example? I don't think I could have done that. Abraham wasn't a perfect guy either. If you read enough about him, you figure that out too. But as an example of simple faith, you can't top this. Psalm 63 and verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. And that's not just getting up at 5.30 every morning to have your two hours of devotions like I'm sure we all do. This speaks of being eager to do the will of God. Not putting things off that should be done and done now because we know that's what God wants us to do. So, okay, if that's what you want. I don't think I understand this. I don't even think I agree with this. I don't even like this. But if that's what you want, I trust you to know what's best. Not only a test of availability, but a test of his affections are, would be part of this test. Um, the test includes this question. Who was Abraham's love priority? Verse number five. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. All right, you, you saw the, the contrast on the screen in Pastor Danny's message this morning. Here we are again. Because of his supreme love, which was his love for Jehovah, Abraham considered nothing too great a sacrifice for him and his cause. His love priority was the Lord. I mean, he is making decisions now based upon his view of the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. In chapter 17 of Genesis... I will make my covenant between me and you, God had said to him, and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face 
He'd had that experience with God. He'd heard that promise. In, in chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, the Lord visited Sarah as, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken, for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. This is in Abraham's background before he gets to Moriah. Abraham knew God. And he knew God does the impossible because Jehovah had already done the impossible for him. So he was convinced that yes, he and Isaac somehow, even after a sacrifice, would both return because Isaac was going to be that promised progenitor. He believed that, but he had no doubt that he had to obey God in the process. When our primary affection is for our Lord and our priority is worshiping this omnipotent God in the way that he prescribes, then we will trust him no matter the cost. That's called evident faith. But would he also pass the paternal love test? Verses six and seven. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. Isn't this a pathetic question? (laughs) But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? How could a loving father contemplate sacrificing his son? Isaac cries out, my father. Familiar words, now Abraham replied, here I am. Okay, so where were they? He said, here I am. Where was that? They were at Mount Moriah. They were at the place appointed by God doing what God had directed. That's where they were. That's where this father and his son were. Oh, that all fathers might lead their sons, their daughters, and their families in doing that which God has commanded against all objections. Because that's where Abraham was. The test, the test of his affections. Could Abraham lovingly trust God to provide? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Abraham had absolute faith that the Lord he loved would provide what was needed. That's the essence of walking with God, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 11, looking back on this, verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And when he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Abraham's great love for God is evidenced in obedient faith. Evident faith as we're calling it. No matter what the cost. That should be our response as well. Uh, Joshua 22 and verse 5. Love the Lord your God. Serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's our test of affections as well. It was also a test, not only of availability and affections, but also a test of of actions. Verses 9 through 12. Uh, The bottom line here is how would he perform? How would he perform? Although that's not the core issue. His actions would be rooted in his heart attitude. But what we do kind of reveals what's in here. How would he perform? Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. How would he perform? Well, these two verses actually enumerate six acts of obedience performed by Abraham in two verses. Abraham was not a pathetic example of much talk and impressive intentions. I've been a pastor long enough and I've heard it all. If all of those intentions could be bottled up, the world would be converted by now. He performed. He produced. He obeyed. Even when it meant sacrifice of the most profound and genuine kind. James said it, did he not? Do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? He said, oops, what's that? Justified by works? That's not an oops. We're justified before God by faith. Before man, they can only see what we're doing. His works proved that he had real faith. What are our actions saying about the depth or even the presence of our faith? Would Abraham perform, would he actually persevere in evident faith? The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. At last God intervenes, calling Abraham by name twice. Once again, Abraham responds, here I am. Well, where was he then? Where was, he was in the very act of obeying God. He was raising his, his hand to perform the, the deed. If God were to call our name today, would we be able to say, where am I? Well, here I am doing exactly what you told me to do. Of course, that's what I'm doing because that's what you said. But can we live like that? Can we? Well, Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
Bottom line in this test of action, would he pass the test? Verse 12. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Did he pass the test with an A+. And what a relief to read that, of course, God's intent was to perform a test because child sacrifice was not to be practiced in Israel. This was a test. This is only a test. <laughs> you know, the, the heart of his passing grade here is that he feared God. Don't hear much about that these days, do you? He feared God. He's commended for that. As he should. Psalm 112 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears God, who delights greatly in his commandments. Abraham's reverence, his fear for God was seen in his evident faith. Final, final point here is simply this. Having passed the test, now we, we read about God's assurance to Abraham. Abraham received God's assurance at this point. I'm sure he was gasping for breath at this point anyway. God assures him and reassures him. Uh, he, he witnesses a marvelous display of God's power in verses 13 and 14. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Well, it just happened to be there, right? So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. God's power to provide is as real today as it was back then. I mean, really, it is. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's more than a big pile of provision. That's an infinite supply. And God said, what do you need? I promise. I got your back. Always. Always. And he, he was reminded of, of God's promise at this point. God's promises, verses 15 and 16. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. This is really a reference back to the promise of that, of that son, that progenitor. And because God had made that promise, God just graciously here reaffirms it. He reaffirms his promise. We're still on track, Abraham. We're still on track. My promise was true then and is true now. You can count on me. His obedience brought plentiful blessing. That's a good place to wrap this up, right? His obedience 
brought plentiful blessing. Verses 17 and 18. This time I'll actually show you the verse before I read it. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Blessing. Blessing. Abraham did receive the blessing of a, of a great posterity. We know that. And as a matter of fact, it all comes together for us because his posterity, the seed of all seeds, is Christ. And in him, we are blessed. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we had a quick look at this today. Abraham's evident faith, we see him passing the test no matter the cost. Been there, Smyrna, where a pastor served for a number of years in the early history of the church by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp actually sat at the feet of the Apostle John. He was an old man when the Roman proconsul the arches, the Roman government complex, which you can still walk through there in the city of Smyrna, now known as Izmir, Turkey. Polycarp was, a, was an old man when the Roman proconsul demanded that he renounce Christ or pay with his life. What was his response? 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? The sentence was carried out, burned at the stake, with the old man witnessing to his tormentors who were putting him to death. Boy, did he ever finish strong because he loved the Lord. He could not deny the Lord who had loved him and because God had loved him, he loved him back. And no cost was too great for Polycarp in order to obediently evidence his faith. In the words of Isaac Watts, love, God's love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Amen.